Over the next few minutes, we're going to talk about what to do when your six-year-old is constantly trying to touch other kids' genitals. And um, it's an important, a super important episode today. And I suppose just a reminder that sitting in a car is educational material and it doesn't replace getting professional therapeutic advice. So welcome back to Sitting in a Car. I'm Sarah Sproul and I sit in a car each week answering a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. And I wanted to read out the details of this question because it's um, very thoughtfully written. My son is six years old and is constantly trying to look at or touch other kids' um, genitals on playdates or get them to look or touch his penis on playdates. This is just like a thing that's come up recently and we've tried to have all the chats about how that's their private area and about consent and all those kinds of things. He knows it's totally normal to want to look and he's told me he just wants to look and see if it looks like his or feels like his or those kinds of things. But like every opportunity, um, he can at the moment, whenever he's with a kid, he's just trying to touch it or look at it or whatever. It's getting super awkward with other parents. And I just don't know how to do or what to do. I've had the conversation over and over and over with him now. I have to make him realize he really just can't do it anymore because it's getting to the point um, where if it happened to school, um, it could be really sketchy. So can you hear the love and concern in this parent's question. It's a really great question. And um, that parent is um, very aware of how important it is to get this part of parenting right. Now, usually what happens um, when we have a situation like this is that our parent brain, and this is through no fault of our own, We'll imagine what it would be like if we were 10 years into the future and our 16-year-old was doing this sort of behavior. And the feeling in our body can be just be so overwhelming and disempowering. Um, we might even feel, oh, let's just go there and talk about it, disgust as we think about our child, particularly if we've done all the steps that we think is right. Like we've told him and we've told him and we've told him and other people have told him and he's still doing it. So um, it's very easy to slip into this, uh, my child is broken or my child is dangerous. So let's talk about this. It's super important to get clear on what's going on. Now, absolutely, it's always going to be important. If your child is doing behavior that is um, not easily directed, and that is absolutely what's happening here, that he's not um, able to be sort of distracted away from his mission of getting more information, then it is important to talk to a therapist and just make sure there is nothing untoward going on that's happened to him in his life over the last year. Uh, but let's assume you've already done that and it's clear that this is behavior that is communicating a need to you rather than evidence of some sort of situation where um, inappropriate touch is happening or something like that. So we're going to say that right up front that it's important to check that box first of all. And then we're going to talk about, well, okay, so how can we help 
this child learn what is appropriate behavior to do with his curiosity about genitals and private parts. It totally makes sense that um, if we are going through an experience like this with a six-year-old, that we might feel the anger rising in us and uh, we want to lose our temper. And maybe we do lose our temper. Maybe um, we just can't cope with this behavior anymore. We're completely in our head about what other parents think of us as a parent, think of our child. So um, that is natural. It's not helpful though, you know, it's not gonna move you forward in supporting our kid. It's absolutely a sign of the courageous but tongue-tied parent effect coming into play that you are willing to do hard work, but there's a lack of information and support about what that hard work actually is. And so to build an evolved communicating family, which is what all of us want, um, we need to get guided by experienced people who have dealt with this sort of thing before. So we're gonna talk about um, three different ideas when it comes to this particular situation. Now, I have not met this child, it is a question that I got anonymously online, but it's going to be important to understand that professional help is important. And I've already said that in this podcast, but there are some times when um, we get to the end of um, the usefulness of free online advice, right? And we really need to enter into a therapeutic relationship with someone who can support our child to learn how to keep themselves safe and how to make sure the children that are around him are safe and cared for too. Point one, curiosity about genitals is absolutely normal and children developmentally appropriate. The issue here is about the persistence and um, in child protection circles, when um, a child is persistent about something, that makes it very important that adults step in and support that child and support the children around them. So I'm gonna to refer to my notes. Um, so it's our responsibility to intervene, but um, we need to get back to the point of thinking about behavior as logical and behavior as communication because this behavior is showing that he has a need that isn't being met and that need could be information a lot more detailed information um, it could be a need around impulse control you know we're all different we all have different sorts of brains some of us and um, i'm using the word us because like um if there's tendencies toward adhd or um, other sorts of um, brains, <laughs> ways of thinking patterns that um, sometimes it's harder to pick up on social cues. So we're looking to see what is going on for this child, this little lad, that means that he's not getting clear on the fact that this behavior isn't okay, but he's still driven to seek the information that he needs. Um, so when children get hyper-focused on something, say it might be dinosaurs or um, Lego figures or um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or Spider-Man or something like that, children can get really fixated and, and interested in um, specific things and 
that's okay, they get on with their life. But this interest and hyperfocus is impacting on the safety um, and the autonomy of the children around him. So um, it makes it super important that um, he's supported and the children around him are supported too. So you could find an OT or a psychologist or someone who is trained to work with children that have issues around impulse control um, or who are um, able to explore more about very niche interests because um, it's how do we work with his interest to get him the information he wants so he's not having to seek it out for himself without the help of an adult. Point two, the majority of children learn through picking up cues from their environment, not necessarily explicit training about this is when you smile, this is when you hold out your hand to shake hands, this is um, how you ask to share someone's lunch. A lot of children learn that just by noticing um, expressions on other children's faces. There are some children that don't learn that way and everything needs to be spelled out. So point number two is about um, teaching him very clearly in very broken down little sections about what is safe for him to do and what is unsafe for other children. So an example of brains being a little bit different in the way they learn. Um, when I was doing my master's six years ago, um, I now realize it's to do with my ADHD, but the other students in that program were able to take two subjects or one subject and work on their master's thesis at the same time. I was trying to do that, but I couldn't manage it because I have like this one track brain. My brain can focus on one thing at a time and it goes really intensely into that and it can't do two things. So one thing I've learned is that I can't volunteer on boards for different charities and organizations because when I split my focus, I it takes me too long to go from um, being on a communications committee, for example, to moving over to then sitting down to do the sitting in a car podcast or work in the Evolve School. So I have learned over time that my brain needs one thing. I just set myself on that path, that track and go for it. And it may be that there is some special thing about his brain that is similar in that way. Now, it doesn't mean he's broken, but he needs different supports than maybe some of the other children in his age group. And it's going to be really important to find those things. Um, so if he's not able to pick up on what's appropriate from the cues around him, then he needs to be explicitly taught. And so that could look like getting training aids like knitted genitals or penises or vulvas, other sexuality education um, aids which allow him to learn by touch and is not um, causing problems with consent um, and just honoring the way he learns. Uh, in occup the occupational therapy world, this is absolutely no problem. And if he was, for example, needing help with reading or maths, um, there would be no stigma attached to that. Well, that's not strictly true because we live in a world where um, differences in learning styles can be stigmatized. But let's just imagine for a second that um, 
needing special help with reading or maths or spelling or whatever it is, hands up, I was a terrible speller, um, was something that was fine. And for some schools, it's very easy for children to go out of class and get extra support for that. But when it comes to something like this, Whereas a dem he's demonstrating he needs maybe hands-on support to get all the information he needs so that he can maintain socially appropriate and healthy and right boundaries with other children. It might feel a bit more stigmatizing. So it's super important to find exactly the right help for this sort of thing. Um, he might need photographs. He might need role play. He may need to be taught the same thing about boundaries 10 times in a row, 10 days in a row, very clearly with flashcards. Um, there are all different sorts of depths of education and learning that we can provide for children who learn in slightly different ways. And just before I go on, it's so important to know that it would, it's impossible as a parent to do this without support. It's not fair on yourself to expect you to do it and it's absolutely not fair on him either because he won't get the specific support he needs to do this well. Um, and he just needs extra time and extra care and extra attention and it's possible to find that for him. Point three, once you've worked out in conjunction with um, a person who understands how to do this sort of thing, what are the ways that he learns best and you've got some strategies in place for that, then it's absolutely about um, giving him clear boundaries and clear natural consequences and rewards, right? So how can we make it in his best interest to learn what the boundaries are and stay within them? And um, I'm just thinking about na what natural rewards are. For example, um, a few years ago, one of our children uh, was angry and uh, left the house very suddenly and quickly and slammed the door and one of the glass panes broke. And so a natural consequence to that sort of situation would be to involve that child, if it was age appropriate, in um, Googling what replacement costs were, contributing, maybe to part of the cost of it, um, being there when the repair people came and spending time uh, and, and to understand what the impact of doing something like that is. And in this question, this child is only six, but um, you could find natural consequences for similar things like, um, you know, that we all need to learn what private things belong to others and what private things belong to ourselves. And if we can't remember what those are, then we need to stay on our own or we need to play only with an adult, um, like a parent or a teacher and find out what those very specific uh, natural consequences are. Um, it may also be useful to find out, well, what are the things that he likes to do and set those up as a reward, right? So um, you like picnics? Okay, well, let's play for 20 minutes with um, whatever the friend is. And if um, everyone's been able to respect each other's privacy, then we will go and have a picnic under your favorite tree or whatever it is, right? So um, it involves community support, someone who tr you trust 
and has the bigger picture in mind. Like these are exceptional people. You're not looking for your run-of-the-mill friend, someone who deeply understands um, your child and his um, his diverse brain and what he needs. Someone who can really support you because we all need the support of someone who's got our back, particularly when we're dealing with something in our parenting that is raising our shame monster. And um, I'm guessing that this situation might raise your shame monster too. So you've learnt three different ways of looking at this issue about um, a child who isn't learning quickly uh, about privacy and consent. Uh, but it's important again to highlight, and I've done this multiple times in this episode, that um, once we realise how a child's unique learning abilities impact this area of growing up, it is going to be super important to get ahead of the curve for other um, parts of their learning, like puberty education, for example. Like what things can we be starting to put in place? So the layering system inside the growth pillar of the Evolved Family Method that we teach inside the Evolved School is going to be really important. So while um, there's this pressing issue, there is also, well, what strategies and techniques and communication styles and um, systems can we put in place inside your family so that you don't get to this point again? And so we're always ahead of the curve when it comes to what our child needs to know. And the layering um, system in the growth pillar using the nine pyramids of progress is the most useful way I know to get a clear sense of what our child needs and how that we how we can show up for their particular learning ability. Now the Evolve School's doors are open now. Um, so if you would like to go to sarahsproul.com forward slash evolve to get more information about how this program might be right for you to um, talk about sensitive things in unique ways that your child or children need um, with the long-term view to building deeper connection in your family, then I would love to see you over there. And that's sitting in a car for another week where I've answered a question to help you raise your confident and caring, gorgeous young person who respects themselves and the people around them. Bye for now.